0: Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by PNC. Grow Up Great. The Turrell Fund, supporting right from the start, NJ. Atlantic Health System, building healthier communities. New Jersey Sharing Network, the Northward Center, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, the Fidelco Group, Guarini Institute for Government and Leadership at St. Peter's University. And by Choose New Jersey. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. And by New Jersey Monthly, the magazine of the Garden State, available at newsstands.
1: Welcome to Think Tank, I'm Steve Adubato as always, my co-host and uh, colleague, the senior producer of Think Tank, Nicole Swinnerton. Nicole, let's line up today's show, we got some great guests. It's all about childcare and the world of childcare and how it's changing the age of COVID-19 and moving forward, go ahead.
2: That's right, so today we're talking to Kay Hendon from the Nicholson Foundation, Cecilia Zalkind from Advocates for Children of New Jersey, and Winifred Smith Jenkins from Zadie's Nurturing Den
1: all about childcare, you know, keeping our children safe, the fact that some childcare centers may not be able to survive economically. How do you socially distance yourself or the the kids? And how about workers? How do you keep workers safe? A whole range of issues all about uh, our children and childcare. And I wanna thank our funders, the folks at PNC, their terrific Grow Up Great initiative. We want all of our kids to grow up great and that's what this program is about. Uh, the Tarot Fund and their initiative that we've been involved in for a couple of years right from the start, NJ. You'll see that website up along with information about Grow Up Great, Atlantic Health, the North Ward Center, also the New Jersey Sharing Network, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Fidelco, one of the many universities who support what we do, St. Peter's University, and also Choose New Jersey. Uh, I'm looking right now. We've got about 30 seconds left. Nicole, biggest takeaway for you about in this child care program is?
2: I would say the biggest takeaway is how much really will change with childcare, but also it's really about the kids. And Winifred says in her interview, it's about the babies. It's about supporting our kids so that they can grow up great, so that they are prepared for kindergarten. And while a lot is changing around them, the goal really is to help them stay uh, nurtured and cared for
3: in the best possible way.
1: Well said, Nicole. So without further ado, I'm Steve Adubato, that's Nicole Swinnerton. Think Tank. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a very special uh, program where you look at um, child care. Child care, if you will, in the age of COVID-19 now and in the future. We're taping in the middle of May. This program will be relevant for a long time after that. Um, we've been looking at these issues for a long time, but they've never been more important and we're honored to be joined by right now by someone who's talked to us about this many times in the past. She's Kay Hendon, Senior Program Officer the Nicholson Foundation. Kay, good to see you.
4: Nice to see you, Steve. By the
1: way, let, good everyone, good. Let, let everyone know what Nicholson is and why it matters when we're talking about childcare.
4: Well, the Nicholson Foundation has always focused on the most vulnerable populations in the state, and our current areas of emphasis are health care and childcare, early childhood. So those are two things that are of such high priority, even more high priority right now. So we're very glad to be able to be in the mix and do what we can as a foundation to to try to help address what's going on right now.
1: And there are two initiatives, Mm -hmm. our long time right from the start, NJ initiative we've been involved in, and also the PNC initiative, Grow Up Great. The issues that both entities are concerned about, both uh, initiatives, frankly, play out here. And so one of the first questions that I know that you've been thinking about is home-based childcare. What is it and why is it again more significant than ever before as we do this program?
4: Well, we've been thinking about it a lot. <clears throat> we've been involved with it over the years quite a bit. But home based child care is what some people call family child care. It's when someone cares for a child in their home. And in New Jersey, uh, if you care for children in your home, you're not required to be regulated in any way unless you're serving a child that is getting a subsidy. Through the state, a low-income family that's getting a subsidy to help pay for the child care. So, in New Jersey, we have a lot fewer family child care providers or home-based providers than we would like. The numbers have been dropping here as they have been nationally over the last several years. They've dropped from I think what we have here um, over five thousand providers in two thousand one. Now we have just a little over one thousand providers in New Jersey, but these providers are serving about maybe about ten thousand families who need care, Um, they can take up to five children, each provider in their home, and they really are a mainstay for many workers. Right now, we're especially interested in this kind of care for a number of reasons. And one is that um, a lot of our essential workers, what we call essential workers, whether they're working in a grocery store, or directing traffic, or working in a hospital, they need care at second shift and third shift so even the emergency child care centers the centers that have been approved by the state are not open on those schedules and they also aren't able to serve families that need a flexible schedule so maybe i'm assigned to work three days this week and only one day next week centers don't provide care that way but the home-based providers because it's a less formal kind of system and they are caring for fewer children have in the past had that kind of flexibility and we think that parents are turning to them more now when they're just stuck for what else am I going to do? So um, that's, those are just some basic reasons why we're talking about it a lot. But I could, I could talk to you a little bit more about um, where we could see this going in the future when we talk about what are we going to do when half of our child care centers don't come back into operation after this is open and when we have a lot of new rules requiring them to serve fewer children with a lot stricter... Health and safety guidelines, even though they're pretty strict as it is, it's going to be much more strict as they reopen. Um, so, we just, we are not going to have very much child care or as much child care when we start getting back to normal. And we don't know if the workers that have been working in child care are going to come back. That's right. So, home based care is a way to maybe help us get back and maybe even
1: build back better, as we're saying. Okay, let me follow up on this. In many ways, what you're describing, and we've talked to others. Uh, in the in this uh, this field, who understand it really well, childcare is changing forever. It isn't when we get back to a normal. There'll be some new normal, whatever that means. But childcare, the definition of it, how it plays itself out, the number of childcare centers, uh, all of that's going to change dramatically for right. the next forever. Right? How is? Let me ask you. I'm curious. Is to what degree is that a responsibility of government? Because your foundation has been very involved, the Tarot Fund's been involved, as I mentioned, uh, some private corporations as well. But is this a governmental public policy role as well?
4: We really think it is, Steve. Um, you know, the whole economy of the state, of the country, relies not solely on childcare, but largely on childcare because people simply can't go to work if they don't have childcare. That's right. And we recognize that people are gonna be going back to work gradually here, but if there's no childcare and if it's not when they need it and where they need it, they cannot work. So it's, if, if only for that reason, it is a government responsibility. And sad to say, when before we came into this crisis, childcare was operating on a thin edge. As you yep. know, you've heard us talk about this, but um, there's never been enough revenue or enough attention paid to childcare to really give parents the services that they need so that they can have a solid family life and a work life and not have to worry about what's happening with their children during the day when they're at work. So yes, um, it's going to come back in a very different way. And that's one of the reasons we're talking more about home-based care, because we certainly want all of our centers to come back as possibly we can, as many as we can possibly get. But, um,
1: Some won't, some Um, will not.
4: Yeah, a home is an an easier place to open up a new care place. Um, We've talked a lot about what some other states have, which is, um, you can call them mini centers or home-based centers, but home-based group family child care, but where there are two adults in the home all the time, which would allay some parents' fear about family child care, and which would allow them to take more children and to have... More a more center-like, if you want to call it, kind of care to work more on the quality, to serve more families, to be even more flexible. So, there are a lot of other there are other models out there for this home-based care that we think we might be able to build on as we try to bring back a better structured and more stable and more responsive childcare system for parents and for children.
1: Before I let you go, though, I got a minute left, Kay. All that has to be done in a way that is safe and protects our children as best we can, and that's not cheap. It is not. And
4: uh, just quickly, I want you to know that uh, just in the last several months, new restrictions have been put upon family child care. There's always have to, there has been a criminal background check for the family child care providers. Now there will be for everybody who lives in that home and also for the substitute providers. So. That raises a lot of questions about whether we're going to lose even more home-based providers. So yeah, we need more attention from our state, and I know that our state is looking at it very carefully. Um, you know, I think we're one of only three states in the whole country that doesn't require regulation of family child care providers unless there's a publicly funded child in that program.
1: Okay, I promise you this the last time we talked, we were in Vermont at a, a national conference that right. the folks at the Terrell. Uh, fund put together and others, and, and the Nicholson Foundation has been right at the m- in the middle of this. I promise you we will continue this conversation, will not be the last. Hopefully we'll see each other in the studio, but if not, we'll keep talking remotely. But most importantly, thank you to you and your colleagues at the foundation for all you're doing. Thank you, Kay.
4: Thank you, Steve. I know you're going to stay on this.
1: We will. I'm Steve Atabato. We'll also be right back right after this.
0: To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media.
5: When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you.
1: Steve Adubato here, uh, working remotely like so many people as we're doing this program on the 8th of April. uh, I'm in our home in Montclair and I believe Cecilia Zalkan, our good friend, the president and CEO of Advocates for Children in New Jersey. Seal, are you in your home?
2: I am also at my home in Montclair.
1: Okay, um, I'm gonna just say this, Seal. We have been longtime partners. We've worked on so many child Care-related issues together um, right from the start. N.J. Um, the initiative that you're about to talk about. Um, but here's what's interesting: we are working remotely. We're broadcasting remotely. How much has has it changed childcare? Just the technology, and as we do this program, not being together.
2: Oh, I think it's had a fundamental impact on childcare, basically on all we do, but certainly on childcare now and in the future.
1: So you have said we not only need to, did I I said reinvent childcare because of this or in light of this and what we can learn from this, this program was seen many months after this, but that's not the right word. Is it reinvent or another word?
2: Well, I think rebuilding is probably more accurate because we have a basic infrastructure in place and we have a human infrastructure of people who've been working in the childcare community for many years. Um, struggling uh, with an infrastructure that's not as strong. But I think that human capital is important to build on.
1: So let's talk about that. Funding, first of all, all kinds of folks watching us, uh, whether it's April, May, June, whatever, the issue of childcare is more challenging than ever before. Has this pandemic highlighted the issue of childcare and what happens when people don't have a place for their children to be cared for, and they're trying to work at home, has it exacerbated it?
2: Well, I th- certainly think it has elevated the importance of child care beyond the people who depend on the child care system to the public as a whole. Um, basically, our first responders, our healthcare personnel, our essential staff would not be able to work without having access to safe, child care for their children. And I think that has become apparent in a way that we've never seen it before.
1: You know, Asil, if if people watch NJTV News or Metro Focus, by the way, we refer people to our colleagues in public broadcasting, there are other sources, NJ.com and other places we can get news every day. But again, we're not the news, we're not reporting the up-to-date statistics, which are, as we do this program, just horrifying, challenging on so many levels, difficult. But still, you and your organization, when you could go outside and social distancing as we do this program was not a big, as big an issue, you have these huge rallies in front of the State House yes. in Trenton. The name of that initiative is and why does it matter?
2: Well, it's our Strolling Thunder event, and we are heading into our third annual Strolling Thunder. Um, and our goal with that is to call attention to the importance of the development of young children and child care providing high quality childcare to our youngest children is a critical linchpin of that, both to support working parents, which has certainly become front and center now, but also as the earliest education opportunity for our youngest children outside the family.
1: You know, Seal, Advocates for Children of New Jersey has been doing an annual report on the status of children for many years, correct?
2: Yes, Kids Count.
1: Kids Count. By the way, we'll have your website up so people can find out more about the organization and and who you're helping every day. What will Kids Count look like the next time you do it?
2: You know, it is hard to even imagine. Um, I think that if nothing else, and there are many, many implications from this crisis, the divide between low income families who are struggling and children living in low income communities is going to be, I think, more dramatic than ever. Um, you see it in access to services, you see it in access to online learning. Um, and I think we'll begin to see the impact, maybe not next year, but in subsequent years.
1: Like, be more specific. Give us one example, because every time you've been with us in the studio and Kids Count comes out, you're very precise and specific. One area, even if it's not seen in the next year, but it is seen in the year after, one area where it's going to be exacerbated, the divide, as you talk about, is between those who have and those who have a lot less. One
2: example. So after the 2008 recession, we certainly saw rates of child poverty increase. Um, on the issue of child care, we also report on the number of child care centers that provide care for low-income families. Um, I think it would be safe to guess or to, to, to believe that that number will decrease and make it even harder for families to find childcare.
1: You know, the other thing still that's fascinating to me as we do this program in April, more and more of the statistics are making it clear that just as it relates to the coronavirus, a disproportionate number of African-Americans are are getting coronavirus, dying from the coronavirus compared to their popul compared to the percentage of the population that they are. How does this impact children of color?
2: Absolutely. It has the same or even greater impact. And again, as we report in Kids Count, when possible, we will disaggregate the data by race and the ethnicity, and while our overall child poverty rate, for example, um, is not high compared to other states, if you look at African-American or Latino children, it's almost double. So yes, that, that disparity has been, I think, an underlying issue that I think is going to be far more apparent now.
1: An interesting, complicating issue is that the state budget. Recently, there was, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seal, and working together, with you and your colleagues and also with the support of the Terrell Fund and, and other foundations that are very much involved in this. Um, there was a $54 million state appropriation that has gone to increasing quality childcare, correct? Yes. And the Department of Human Services? Yes. So here's the thing. With less state revenue coming in, even if the state budget is pushed, in terms of the constitutional deadline is the 30th of June. If it's pushed, less revenue coming in, less money to go out to key initiatives. Here's the question. What could that mean with less state revenue for state money going into supporting expansion of childcare?
2: Well, I think that's certainly at risk. We're already seeing that centers are struggling to to stay open, or if they are centers that have been mandated to close because they do not serve essential staff, they're struggling just to survive. Um, And having... Our goal has been to increase funding for childcare. I think we're going to uh, need additional money to to recreate, to rebuild the system. I think the federal world will be much stronger. And we were happy with the stimulus pass- package that passed two weeks ago. It has As we child- do
1: this program, the first stimulus, we don't know if there's gonna be another one, go ahead.
2: Yeah, we don't know. Um, and we're certainly advocating to include childcare in that stimulus. Um, I think that we're gonna turn to the beds for some help, but there is going to be state support needed as well. And, you know, when we look about rebuilding, we're going to be rebuilding our economy too. Childcare okay. is essential to that as well.
1: Cecilia so, Zalkine, who is the president and CEO of Advocates for Children in New Jersey. Take care of my friend. We'll see you hopefully uh, in the studio face to face very soon. Thanks, Seal.
2: Safe, be well.
0: Thank you.
1: You got it right back right after this.
0: To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD And follow us on Twitter at steveadubato.
1: Welcome back, folks. We continue to talk about quality and affordable child care. We have an expert joining us remotely. She is Winifred Smith-Jenkins, Senior Director, Zadie's Nurturing Den. Good to see you, Winifred.
3: Thank you so much for having me on today, Steve.
1: Describe the organization. You have three different locations, right?
3: We do. So Zadie's Nurturing Den is located in Summit, New Jersey. Um, It cares for children zero to six years old. We have two locations in East Orange, Zadie's Early Childhood Center, and Zadies of the Oranges. Zadies Early Childhood Center is a private childcare center. It cares for children zero to five. And Zadies, Early Ch- uh, Zadies of the Oranges mm. is a public, um, has a public partnership with East Orange Board of Education and South Orange and Maplewood. Um, and it cares for children three to five years old. Mm.
1: So what if, let, me, let me try this. I mean, we're doing this programming, all of it, um, trying to look at the longer term implications of COVID-19. We're taping in the middle of May. It'll be seen after that. For day-to-day updates, you can check NJTV News, Metro Focus, other news sources. But I keep thinking, what will the child care centers of the future look like? Say we're talking about the fall of 2020, beyond that, do they have to be reconfigured? What has to happen for our children to be safe um, before we can even move forward?
3: Those are great questions. Um, you know, and the hard piece, I think, that we're Struggling with is getting the right guidance, um, you know, from the state of New Jersey, um, from the Department of Health and Human Services. Like, where are we supposed to get this information from? There are some things that are coming out. Um, some centers are currently open, and they're open for essential personnel only. Um, but I and and so we're starting to gather some information from there. I mean, I think that. All centers are going to have to have a no visitor policy. They're going to have to limit access um, to the facility, even for parents, right? Mm. Um, They're going to have to be some level of infrastructure repairs and updates. You're going to need upgrades. You're going to need protective barriers. You're going to probably need some HVAC upgrades, um, maybe additional hand washing sinks. Getting staff to come back to work um, is probably going to be instrumental in this whole thing, right? Um, And it's, uh, it's going to be really important, but you also not only need to get your old staff to come back, you're going to need to train and retain and hire new staff to come in. They're going to be smaller classroom sizes. And this is, of course, going to affect the bottom line. Um, you're going to need additional professional development. We will be on the front lines um, working throughout this kind of COVID environment, right? Um, we're going to need to be able to source and purchase a different uh, additional cleaning materials. Um, we're going to need mental health services because. You know, we need to make sure that we're keeping ourselves and our babies that we're holding safe. And our bottom line just isn't ready for all of this.
1: You know, we keep, you keep mentioning the bottom line. And we, when I started this segment, I talked about quality uh, and affordable child care. The economics of childcare, particularly for the children who are most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a series called uh, Right From the Start, NJ, "Jay." the folks at, at, at PNC are focused on growing up great or grow up great, if you will, but particularly for our most vulnerable children. If first, how will the economics change and B, what will the implications be for those who are our most vulnerable children?
3: So, you know, childcare is one of those things that um, you can only charge what the market can bear, right? Um, and with these new changes that have to happen, Unless there is an influx of money from the federal and state um, government, then you're gonna see a lot of childcare closures. We already have a significant number of childcare deserts in New Jersey. I can see that number increasing because we will not be uh, able to handle the economics of um, all the things we'll need to put in place to be able to offer high quality childcare.
1: What are the implications if if more childcare centers close because of the economics? I mean, quality childcare centers. What are the potential implications longer term for those children, their futures, and their families?
3: So we're the workforce behind the workforce, right? In order for parents to go to work, right. childcare, right? So. Um, the future, you're going to probably have a lot more uh, parents, whether they're moms or dads, coming out of the um, job market because they won't be able to to find affordable, high-quality childcare. You'll have maybe unlicensed centers that are opening um, to try to help parents. Um, And unfortunately, once a center is unlicensed, then we know that there are some things that can happen that could put children in jeopardy. Right. I think you'll also see an increase in the Access and equality, right? Like there will be um, a huge divide between the haves and the have nots. You mean
1: worse than what it is already?
3: Yes, <laughs> yes. A thousand times worse than what it is already.
1: Anyone who's following the COVID-19 crisis, the global pandemic, <clears throat> excuse me. The the fact that a disproportionate, totally unacceptable um, number of folks who are black and brown are being adversely affected, getting sick and dying from COVID-19. Is that mirrored, if, in you will, if you will, when it comes to childcare in terms of, it's already a problem. There are already social determinants of health. There are already a whole range of issues that adversely affect those who are in minority communities and, and struggling and, and, and economically, et cetera. What happens to these children? Do you sense that we, understand what the long-term implications are for these children and for all of us, society?
3: I think this is new. Um, I don't think that we have all the answers, but I think that we can come up with some pretty good answers like universal childcare, right? Um, So that we can ensure that no one falls through the cracks. That's right. This wasn't anyone's fault. Um, So we need to make sure that we do our part to make sure our babies are safe and they're prepared for kindergarten.
1: Because that's not just for them and their families. That's for all of us.
3: That's for all of us. That's explain,
1: right. 30 seconds. Explain why them growing up great, those kids growing up great or the best they can be matters to all of us, whether they're our kids or not.
3: So they, we know that children who go to high quality childcare centers um, would generally tend to continue and graduate from high school, right? We know that they will... Um, be prepared for um, some of the social challenges that they may face when they get into um, elementary school. But we also know that it doesn't start at elementary school. It starts when you're holding a baby, an infant, a six week old, right? So if we don't put in the work now, we're gonna pay for it either on the front end or the back end, as my mom likes to say, but we will pay for it, society will pay.
1: Well, Winifred, um, we thank you for being with us. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you in the future. Um, yeah. These are all of our children. And it not only takes a village, takes a lot more than a village. We yes, thank sir. you and we wish you all the best. Stay safe and be well.
3: Thank you. Same to you, sir. Uh,
1: I'm Steve Adubato. We thank you so much for joining us and make sure you stay safe and be well as well. We'll see you next time.
0: Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by PNC, Grow Up Great, The Turrell Fund, supporting right from the start NJ, Atlantic Health System, New Jersey Sharing Network, The Northward Center, The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, The Fidelco Group, Guarini Institute for Government and Leadership at St. Peter's University, and by Choose New Jersey. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and by New Jersey Monthly. Transportation provided by Airbrook Limousine, serving the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area.
5: When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition, which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you.